Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Well, welcome to the Family Renewal Podcast. And for a change, I'm going to be here instead of Israel. And I get to have a wonderful guest on. This is Marilyn Boyer. And I got to grow up hearing about her, seeing a book that she had published, and then have had the opportunity over the last probably at least 10 or 12 years of getting to meet her in person and have some wonderful nights, uh, long nights where we got to sit and talk to each other. And so I'm so excited to be able to have this opportunity to connect via Zoom and be able to do an interview together. So I just want to welcome you in. It looks like you're in your kitchen. Is that right, Marilyn? Actually, my daughter-in-law's kitchen. Oh, nice. Okay. (laughs) Well, it's kind of a homey atmosphere to be able to interact. Marilyn is the mother of many children. She (laughs) is one of the pioneers in the homeschool movement. And she and her husband did so much to just bring about awareness to homeschooling, to help many uh, other families start homeschooling. And then they were one of the families that had many children early on when it really wasn't, uh, it was a very countercultural thing. It still is, but in that era in the homeschool movement, it still was a bit of a countercultural thing. And I'm just so excited to have you, Marilyn. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here, Brooke. And I know that you've written quite a few books. So how many books have you written? You know, I don't even know. I think it's like 35 maybe because we've done a lot of studies, uh, Bible studies for kids, which we started out writing them for our kids because like we grew up, we were not Christians when we were raised. So when we got married, um, like my first child was born on my 20th birthday Okay, and I didn't really know the word. I didn't know Bible stories. So when the kids would have um, problems in their life, like they'd be angry or whining or whatever, I'd go to the word to see what it said. So then when I looked for um, Bible studies to teach my kids, I found, I don't know, like crossword puzzles and cutesy things, but nothing that really made them dig into the word to address the issues in their heart. So we just wrote our own. As our kids grew up, we wrote our own according to the struggles that our kids had, which were many, you know, (laughs) I always tell people you get to benefit from all the sin in my kids' lives. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have one of them here. And this one actually has more to do with your uh, pictures of your grandchildren. Is that right? It does. We've got 23 grandkids now, Mm -hmm. but these are the six oldest on that book. And, you know, we told our grandkids that we want you to have a ministry. So we started this series, the character with the cousin series. And it teaches kids, young kids, character, which really is the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Yes. So it tries, we try to put it on a kid's level and give them simple definitions and everyday life stories so that they can relate to how to employ obedience and honesty and patience into their lives. That's so important. I just love this. And this one, I'm just going to open up real quick. This has lots of like great stories and uh, pictures of real life children. And I know my little children have lo- loved looking at this book because they open it and they see children. And then there's just so much more eager to hear, okay, what does it say? And it goes up with different levels. This is the only one I had at, at, at my fingertips. Yeah. But, um, it was, there's different levels that it goes through. And then of course, you have books that are written for the parents as well. 
Right. We've got like that series is for kids and we've got like the preschool level and then we've got ages six through nine, which is character trails. And that that's 12. The, the one that you have shows 12 character qualities. The next level up is 12 different character qualities. And it's an everyday life story and one from history and one from the Bible and then practical projects to help them implement it in their lives. Like everything we do, we try to give practical projects. Like this is the knowledge, but then how do we implement that? Because Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we need to do. You know, we need to take our kids by the hand and show them how to implement that character in their life. That is so important. I I find those um, projects are so important for my children to kind of read go through like a mental process of remembering what that lesson was about. And, and then they see that project completed project and go, Oh yeah, I remember what mom taught me about that. So I've learned that because, you know, I'm in a busy season of life and I know the moms listening are as well, where I can barely keep my eyes open to just talk with the children and interact with them and having ideas and creativity. Some days I just, I just don't have enough. And so I love the fact that you kind of laid out, um, you know, uh, almost a pre-made lesson that the moms can say, okay, kids, I want, and then they, they're learning from their mothers, but they're, they're learning with their mothers and you've laid it out so that it's not undoable either. It's, it's very doable. So I right. that's what I tried to do. You know, I taught my own kids this kind of thing, but then as my kids started to get older, I've got 14 kids, by the way. So as they started to get older, um, I'd have parents say, well, can you turn this into a form that we can use? So right. as as I had a little more time, I would write books that other parents could use, um, you know, to help them. So it wouldn't yes. be so difficult that they wouldn't have to start from scratch and do it all from the beginning. Right. That's very and helpful. We've so implemented, had- I'm sorry, we've implemented history a lot because okay. we found that real live people who demonstrated character in their life are powerful example for kids. Yeah. Um, I'll just give you one example, like in our book, um, Portraits of Integrity, we're talking about forgiveness. And we try to teach that to our kids. It's so important for us to learn forgiveness. So we tell the story about Jake DeShazer. He was one of the Doolittle Raiders in World War II. And he bombed Tokyo. And then he had to crash land because he ran out of gas. And he was captured by the Japanese. Mm -hmm. And he was tortured for three and a half years. But toward the end of that time, one of the prison guards gave the men three books. One of them was the Bible. And he read through that. He became a Christian there in his cell. And at the end of World War II, he came back to the States, went to Bible college, and then went back to Japan and preached the gospel to the very guards who had tortured him. And a really cool ending is Mitsuo Fuchida, who's the guy that led the raid on Pearl Harbor, got a hold of one of the tracts that Jake had written. Wow. He got saved and the two men together went around the country of Japan and thousands of Japanese people were saved. So, wow, you know that you can say to your kids, if this man could forgive the people that tortured him, right. surely you can forgive your brother who knocked over your Legos. And because he chose to forgive thousands of Japanese people were saved. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, we've tried to find powerful examples like that to illustrate character. Right. So it's not just head knowledge. That's so important. Now, what is the age span of your children? I mean, from, from, like from your youngest to oldest, youngest, oldest, my youngest is 22, just turned 22. They keep getting older. And my oldest is 
uh, 47. Okay. Wow. So there's kind of a huge age difference that there. And then my, my oldest grandchild is just five years younger than my youngest child. Oh, wow. How special. <laughs> Our That's youngest child had always wanted a brother or sister and she didn't get one. Lord didn't give us one, but she had all these nieces and nephews. <laughs> That's pretty special. Right. Yeah. There's that point where it's the youngest. Our age span is about 20 years now. So I kind of have a little bit of that, yeah. um, you know, go, going on some very unique times. And, you know, as, as we have grown in having a large family, you know, obviously for us, it didn't start there. And I always felt like I had a bit of a disadvantage because I did not know large families growing up. I have one brother. And so it was the two of us growing up and um, I did babysit a little bit, but I, I think there were some things that did not come naturally to me. Uh, so I've kind of had this, <laughs> sometimes say I had this rodeo just in a learning process and, and maybe it's been that way for everybody. And even for the large, the gals that I knew grew up in a large family, it's different for them when it's their own children and, and they're needing to be the responsible one and so forth. And That's so true. I want to ask you some questions that people ask me all the time, well, how do you keep up with it all? And there's no definition of with it all, what that means. <laughs> I think, I think most people look at, at it and go, well, keeping up with a clean home and meals cooked on time and children dressed yeah. properly. And I, I sometimes laugh and think, well, <laughs> you know, to, today was not the day to have all the, the marks done. Uh, the closets are a disaster and the dishes are sitting home and done. And, and all that, but we did get everybody dressed. You know, there might be yeah, <laughs> there might yeah. be some elements that we got. Um, but when when you hear that question, uh, what would you offer as some advice for the mom who is struggling, saying, "I'm not keeping up," you know, and maybe with it all, and I'm I'm not seeing how to uh, make any progress with my my life or my to my children, my home. What could you say to that mom? Well, I speak on the topic sometimes of getting it all done. And I start out by showing this picture of laundry piled up. <laughs> and I tell them it doesn't always get done when it's supposed to. But um, one thing I've found is just um, learning to say no to a lot of outside things. And from like, I homeschooled for 37 years. So that was a long season for me. It's not usually that long as long for everybody, but there were a lot of things I had to say no to, like even some women's Bible studies, good things. But, you know, I had to focus on my kids. And as far as the kids too, like they can't be involved in little league and wrestling. And, you know, there's just, there's too many things, too many good things to be involved mm -hmm. in. So we had to limit that. You know, we had, we kind of, looked to see if God had gifted our kids. Many of, or several of them are gifted in piano. Oh. So we would take time to take them for piano lessons, but we didn't let them be involved in tons of things because to be effective at homeschooling, you have to be home. You know, you really have to be there with them. And also um, I would train my kids to help because you as the mom cannot do it all. You just can't do it all. Now, Israel had told me that it was hardest for you guys when you had four. Yeah. And that definitely was for me because they were like five and on down yeah. and you've got to do everything. So that definitely was the most overwhelming time for me. But as your kids get older, if you will take the time to train them, mm -hmm. then like I wrote down everything that I, that had to be done in my home, all the chores that needed to be done. 
And every summer I would look through that list and I'd say, okay, who is best able to do this chore for the next year? Hmm. And then during the summer, I would train them to do that job well, because you can't just say, go clean the bathroom. They don't know how to do it properly. You've got to show them how. So during the summer, I would train them in the jobs that they would keep for the next school year. And then, you know, then we'd shift jobs every year so that the kids got to learn all the jobs so that they could, you know, be responsible adults. That's our ultimate goal is to teach them everything they need to know to be responsible adults. But, you know, you can't do it all as mom. You've got to put the time into training your Mm. kids. That's, that's a big job. And <laughs> just that part is. Of, of spending the time training them. And how, how would you deal with a child who was resistant or didn't, let, let me start first with how did you deal with a child who, even though you'd worked with them and trained them and taught them how to do it. And you come back and you find it sloppily done and maybe even <laughs> months into the process. How do you handle that kind of situation? You know, you have to kind of study your kids and learn why it wasn't done properly. For instance, I had one daughter who it was her job to do dusting and I would find this table undone, this, you know, dresser undone. And at first I thought she's just being lazy. She doesn't want to do it. But then I realized she really doesn't see it. She was a very creative type. She loved to write stories. Um, You know, you'd walk into a room, it would be a disaster and you'd say, let's clean up your room. And she'd look around like, what's wrong with it? You know, she just didn't see it. So for her, for handwriting, I had her write down everything in room by room that needed to be dusted. And then when dusting day came around, she just checked off her list and she did it. So she just needed extra help. Right. Um, Where I had another, yeah, she just needed more instruction. And then I had another daughter who was just the opposite. I mean, she would see a mess before it happened. And, you know, you could be reading a book, get up to go to the bathroom, come back. The book was put back on the shelf while she was there. You know? So they're different. You know, the kids are different and you've got to, you've got to study them and not assume that they're just trying to be disobedient because sure. sometimes they just don't get it. Sure. <laughs> they don't see it. Yeah, I think that's the, the challenge, right? And I love what you said about just studying your children because each one is so unique and, and sometimes I'm tempted to snap it or, or say something. And then I sit back and go, wait a minute, let me, let me ponder on this a little bit. And um, then sometimes I see a way, like you're saying, come alongside of them. And yeah. that goes a long ways in helping that, that relationship instead of just being task oriented. Absolutely. And let me tell you how something we kind of stumbled across. Um, One day, I think I had seven kids at the time. And I went to the grocery store and I was just tripping on them. You know, it was just a disaster. And that night, Rick asked, how was your day? And I said, terrible. The kids weren't really bad. They were just everywhere. So he said, well, let's go back to the store tonight for the express purpose of training the kids. Yes. And we did that. And he gave them a few simple rules, like ask mom before you go to the store, if you want a specific food, because otherwise they see all this candy and stuff (laughs) down at kids level. Don't touch things on the shelves Mm -hmm. for the little one, you know, to walk beside mom, put their hand on the cart, just a few simple rules. Mm -hmm. And we did that. And then the very next time I took them by myself, I had people saying, how do you get those kids to be so obedient? And, you know, it really pricked my heart because we had 
assume that our kids knew the correct way to act, but they right. don't. Right. So we started doing it like for other situations, like um, the doctor's office. Like I didn't have yeah. parents or Rick's parents, neither one lived in town. So right. when I went anywhere, I had to take all my little ducklings with me. So, you know, we'd give them a few simple rules or in church, we'd play church at home so that they would learn how to be still and quiet in church. Or if you're going to a friend's house or if you're going to a restaurant, we'd kind of drill them on the way, you know, when the waitress hands you a glass of water, say, what do you say? The kids would say, thank you. You know, we kind of prepare them in advance for situations, things that you would think that they would know, but they don't if you don't teach them. I'm so glad you wrote that because I read that years and years ago when I was really? and then I was like a light bulb went on oh yes and even <laughs> yesterday um I had my let's see two-year-old five-year-old and seven-year-old in the store with me and it was one of those very quick <laughs> stops and I saw my little gals trying to dance around the cart I thought to myself I haven't I haven't taken them grocery shopping in a while and so yeah those words came to my mind it's so fun to talk with you today about that I found that with my younger kids, like I had my older kids well-trained, but then when I had one that was babysitting age, I'd leave the little ones with the younger ones. So then you take the little ones to the store and whoa, you got to start all over again because they didn't, you haven't trained them. (laughs) I kind of feel like it should just pass by osmosis and it doesn't do that. (laughs) That's an interesting thing to me. So I wanted to ask you also, like in terms of say, if I've just had times in my life where the older ones are busy doing their, their thing and chit-chatting with each other and I need to get a project done, but all the littles are, you know, playing with toys and, you know, unfortunately maybe they're throwing them and there's chaos <laughs> happening and the middle guys are being wild and, and playing a, a game of tag and so forth. <laughs> I'm just kind of making up a scenario, but we've had right. lots, lots of real life things happen like this. I get it. Yeah. When there's that chaos. And you're like, but family, we're going to, we're going to do something. And maybe it's not even as exciting as the free time that they're experiencing. What's a way that you call them back to your leadership and, and try to input something, um, you know, maybe it's even something less interesting. Like I mentioned, maybe it's a, something they don't really want to do. How can you call them back to that and bring some chaos? I'm sorry, some order to that chaos. What, what are tips you have? Um, I guess like it's, if you've got chaos, for instance, there's the room's a wreck and you need to pick up toys, you know, uh, he got it out or he was playing with it last or whatever. So I would just say, okay, guys, we're going to all chip in and we're going to clean the living room. So, you know, the sooner we get it done, the sooner you can go back to reading your book or whatever it was that they're, they're wanting to do. But I would kind of break up uh, overwhelming task into achievable pieces. Like I would say, okay, Nate, you're going to pick up all the matchboxes and they go in this container that has picture of a matchbox on it. And Rick, you're going to pick up the toy trucks. Like I just kind of break it up so that not everybody would be standing there overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? What do I do? And and just try to make it easy for them. Mm -hmm. Like I'd, I'd have, when they were real little before they could read I would have pictures of things on the containers and then the same picture on the shelf so they knew all the dollhouse people go in here and then the dollhouse people go on the shelf wow so that's that's organized (laughs) and then sometimes you're talking about chaos sometimes I would just call it quiet time because your mind's just uh, so I would say guys 
we're going to have a quiet time for the next 10 minutes. So they would know they would get a book, sit on the couch and just be quiet because sometimes you just need the peace to think. Yeah. And I think it's important for kids to know too, that they can be quiet Yeah. because sometimes they don't, you know, the ones that are really active and hyper, it's important for them to know that they can be quiet so right. like we would play church before church to teach them how we wanted them to act in church. And sometimes we'd have certain activities for them, um, you know, to do in church, like take notes from the sermon if they were older or certain busy Bible books for the little ones with scripture books or whatever. But um, I guess planning has a big, a mm-hmm. big part of it, planning mm-hmm. so that things are easier and not as chaotic. Mm-hmm. And how do you find, how do you find time to plan ahead I would, for that? I would do that at nap time. Like okay. my kids, like my, my older ones will tell you, mom made us take naps till we were 12. But, <laughs> but that was the time in the early afternoon, I'd put the little ones down to sleep. The older ones, I would tell them, you don't have to sleep, but this is the time for you to read your Bible, to do your devotions. When you're done with that, you can read a book or you can play quietly in your room. Okay. And I just felt like I needed that and they needed that too. Right. It was just a calming time. Right. Yeah. That's kind of my next question even is how, you know, how do you find time to just rejuvenate for yourself to get the adequate rest? Now I say that how, I don't know how people get adequate rest. I still have another baby. (laughs) It's like, she was up at least four times. It seemed last night. Um, You know, I've heard of the, the sleep training and all that, but she's at a point where she needs her mama and yeah. it's hard to get enough rest, but what are, what are the things that you would encourage moms to do to rejuvenate, to find that rest, but also um, maybe how to make it when they don't get that kind of time? Yeah, it's, um, well, I would always just like keep a nursing baby with me in bed at night and then get up and lay him down. And that was easier for me than sitting up and getting yeah. really woken up. Um, but also, you know, have some time that you can spend time in the word. That's very important. And I used to hear preachers say, you need to do that first thing in the morning. And that didn't work for me because like you're saying, I was up with sleeping babies. If I had sat down to try to read the Bible in the morning, I'd have fallen asleep like that. Um, So, you know, I tell moms, find your best time, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it's the kid's nap time or Mm -hmm. at one point when I had a busy house with teens, my best time was after everyone went to bed at night, I would get back up and spend time in the word because that was just when I was most alert and and it was my best time, but it changes through the years. I would say you definitely need to find the best time. And it, it does change. It's according to your husband's schedule and the ages of your kids, but don't feel guilty if it's not first thing in the morning, because I don't think that ever worked for me. <laughs> now, actually it does. I'm empty nester now. Wow. Um, about a month ago, my last child moved out of the home. So it's, it's very different stage of life. It's quiet in my home, which has not been for many, many years. <laughs> It was kind of comforting, though, just to think of, uh, you know, just reassuring that to have to think of it as it has to be first thing in the morning, because I went, every time I wake up, my little ones have a yeah. radar that goes, oh, mom's up. You know, yeah. Maybe she's, maybe she's going to serve breakfast. <laughs> and then you just start the whole routine and it's just like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up early for this. <laughs> they could have slept if I'd stayed in bed. You know, <laughs> but that's so helpful. 
And with, um, you know, just you were mentioning about your working around your husband's schedule, you know, it's sometimes it's when I, uh, we find ourselves so consumed with raising our children and, and, you know, wanting to do right by that, wanting to make sure we're investing in them, that we started thinking, well, we're ignoring each other. Not that we intend to, not that we want to. And, and there's a camaraderie for sure with being parents yeah. together. But at times we've even had to say, we're not going to talk about the children and, you know, who, who's <laughs> doing this and what decision we have to make for this one and all that. We're just going to lay that aside. But I, I just would love to hear about what you and Rick have done through these many, like you said, 37 years just of uh, <laughs> homeschooling, but that's not even, you know, years on the other side, probably, yeah. um, you know, over 40 years of raising children together. That's just remarkable. What have you done to build your marriage through that season in spite of having a large family? When the early years, we didn't really get away much because we didn't have family in town. So we didn't have ready-made babysitters. Like my yeah. kids, all our family now lives in the same town. So we've got 14 kids and their wives and grandkids. There's like 40 something of us. So, but there's always a babysitter around, you know, that's, that's a blessing, but we didn't have that. So a lot of times, like if we put the kids down at seven, when they were real little, then we'd spend some time together in the evening. Um, Even just like sitting outside in the rocking chairs and talking. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we, got, we'd get a babysitter every now and then, but there wasn't, weren't a whole lot of extra funds in the early years. So we really didn't get away very much, but we try to like maybe once every couple months, hire a sitter and go out to eat and just, you know, do something together. Um, Then when we got kids that were old enough to babysit, which we thought we would never get there, but then we did, Um, you know, we would get out usually once a week, then we would go out and leave a certain one in charge of the kids and another one in charge of the household. Okay. And (laughs) yeah, that, that worked better because they were kind of close in age. So for one to have all the authority didn't work out all that great. So the second one was in charge of the, the facility and that worked out better. Um, but you know, we tried to spend time with each other and we definitely tried to spend time talking. I mean, if that was all you could do when the kids are in bed at night, then just spend some time talking right. and communicating and reading the Bible together and praying together. Yeah. You know, I think that's very, very important. It kind of, yeah. kind of binds your heart to pray together. Yes. Yes, it sure does. It's like you're both working towards seeking the same thing from the Lord and laying your lives before the Lord. It's very vulnerable sometimes too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I, I also wanted to ask as far as the relational aspects, um, with your children, as they become older, I just would love to hear uh, how you connect. Let me put it this way with one-on-one. I sometimes love that phrase and I, I love that concept. And sometimes I cringe and feel burdened by it because it's so hard even just to get time alone with my husband, much less yeah. with one child. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I look at my little, my little two-year-old now, and I think someday my two-year-old and my seven-month-old, they're going to be those older ones. And I'll have more of that individualized attention for them as the older ones have grown up by that point. Right. Right now, yeah. right now it's like, whoa, I can't quite imagine, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on how, um, how valuable one-on-one time is. Um, is it something you've done? What are challenges, you know, we can do, but then like, 
maybe even practically, how do you make it happen or not happen? And yeah. um, any thoughts on that? Well, when I had all little ones, I would pray with them individually every mm-hmm. night. And we would like, I pray about things that happened in their life and try to encourage them, try to think of something that they did right and mention their name to God in prayer. Thank the Lord that they were very diligent wiping the counters or whatever, but they would have that time and and things that had happened to them during the day. We could talk about that maybe even just five minutes. I mean, with so many kids, I couldn't spend an hour with each one, but I would try to spend a little bit of time praying with them or snuggling with them if they were a snuggler. And then as they got older, we started what we called special night out okay. and we would have one child on a rotating basis. And it was usually like once a month. So it was a long rotation there when you had a lot of kids, but we would take them out to supper at a place of their choice. We had a list of places they could choose from. So it wasn't, you know, too expensive <laughs> and they, they looked forward to that. I mean, they uh, would next time I'm going to go to whatever restaurant. Wow. And we would talk with them about whatever they wanted to talk about. We wouldn't talk to each other necessarily. Yeah. And we would try to not do that, but talk to the child. Mm-hmm. And what we found is the ones that were really quiet at home, when you get them out by themselves, they're just talk, 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 talk. But, you know, it just meant a lot to them to talk to them about whatever was on their minds. Right. And then when we got teenagers, I would try to Like if you could tell something was troubling them, take them Mm -hmm. out to lunch or take them out for ice cream or even so many times after the little ones were in bed at night, I would see one of the older ones just kind of hanging around the living room. And that was kind of my cue. Something's on their mind. So I would stay up and talk to them like after 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, sometimes you're really tired and you think I just want to go to bed, but right you don't get that time back. So, you know, you could just, if you're sensitive to your kids, you can tell, Hey, something's bothering them. We need to talk. Yeah. So I tried to make myself available whenever they needed to talk, or if there was a time where I, when I just could not, I would make a date with them. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're going to get together tomorrow at four and we're going to go out for ice cream and talk so that they would know that you really cared about them. Right. Right. And then even, Yeah, it really is just for them to know that you're making the effort and that you care. But I do think that one-on-one time is really special. Um, Also, when the kids were really little at nap time, I would put them all down for naps, but then I would call each one out individually and I would spend just maybe five minutes reading a Bible story or going over their verses or one of my children, um, he was not much into books at this point. So I had this little cocoa can with little animals. He loved making animal sounds. So I'd pull out the animals and he'd make the sounds. And even as an adult, he said, I remember being so thrilled at the the sight of that cocoa can. So just (laughs) something simple like that, like five minutes. So I'd put that one back to bed and pull out the next one, put that one to bed and end up with the oldest so that the youngest could go on to sleep and then just kind of work my way through them. Oh, I like that idea so much. I've struggled a lot with not just um in our busy season this last year and a half has been kind of chaotic but just you know struggled with how to find that time so that's giving me some good ideas I really appreciate that (laughs) just even like five minutes they know I've got mom's undivided and I would tell the other kids you're not allowed to call me unless there's an emergency you know this is Tim's time or this is whoever's time so you you cannot call out (laughs) (laughs) it's like hold off on that and then what about like 
it moves me to the next question I have of um, maybe with sons and moms to sons and moms to daughters, that relationship I found has been kind of different for uh, my, I have uh, almost 20, I can't believe it, almost 20 year old daughter and a now 14 year old daughter. And those are my older two. And then I have little one, little girls. Okay. But, um, then my boys are, let's see, 21, 17, almost 18 and 15 and 12. And so um, their personalities are so different. Here's how we notice it. I have all of my daughters almost always in the same room with me throughout the day. It's just hilarious. Yeah. We look around and there's all the girls and the boys are off conquering and doing and stuff so I just would love advice especially as they're getting you know to that mid-teens and 20s how can how can I keep um relationships strong with those those two different sets um well the girls like we did a lot of stuff in the kitchen together yeah um but the boys they I don't know I guess talking with them and then providing, like if I've had one son that loved to build. So just mm. getting the materials for him to build. And he loved like to build me plate shelves or bookcases uh-huh. or things like that. So just, I guess, trying to, to supply them with what their areas of interest were and right. kind of affirming them and letting them know that you appreciate that bookcase or, or whatever. Um, I think I also think of another son who really struggled with reading. He was really late with reading Hmm. and I would sit and read to him things that he was very interested in, which hunting white tailed deer was a huge interest (laughs) of his and and reading. I know really not mine. (laughs) And then reading through field guides. He just loved information like that. And it was so boring, but you know, just spending time with them doing whatever meant a lot to them. Right, um, right. I think that speaks a lot because they know that you're not really interested in hunting white-tailed deer, but you know, if you're reading to them or you're providing materials for them to, to create and do things that mean something to them, I think it's a great way to connect. Yeah. Yeah, that sure is. I, I think that's really helpful to pick up on this knowing what, like you said before, studying your children, knowing what their interests are and being able to delve a little bit and taste of their, their world a little bit of you know, what their particular interests are. Um, Absolutely. I think a lot of parents try to kind of drag their kids along to do something that the parents interested in thinking I'm spending quality time with them, but it's better to find out what interests them Hmm. and spend time with them. And they, they know that it's not an interest of yours. So it means that much more to them if you're willing to be involved with them. Sure. That's very helpful. Yeah. And just being able to know, okay, I'm, I'm giving some time here that's going to be useful for building them up too. Um, right. You know, again, that time, oh, that's so hard sometimes. But what you said with the little ones of even five minutes, I imagine you would say something similar for the older ones, maybe more time needed, but even just touching base right. a little bit in that way. Right. Even just having like a minimum time so that they knew they had your full attention. What, what would you say towards the moms who are looking to help launch their children, you know, they're getting to whatever age, somewhere near 20 or that, that mark there and launching. And, um, you know, especially I think for sons, maybe there's a little more, and you know, it depends on the child, I guess, but I know for myself having only had a son that's been in the launching period, um, you know, I kind of think of it a little bit like I want to be able to now give all of my 
<laughs> all of my advice and counsel. Yeah. And what are ways, like, where do we know that boundary of sharing and counseling our children, our, our young adults? And where do we maybe hold back and let them um, make some decisions on their own? What are the, what's some advice you could give there? I do think that's important to let your kids um, have the autonomy to make decisions and, and explore things on their own. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to do that. Like even like I've had a lot of older kids within my home until they got married or until they moved out and bought a house on their own or whatever. Um, And I think it's important not to like micromanage them. Sure. Um, I think sometimes I'm a little, the opposite way, you know, I want them to learn and, and make decisions, right. you know, when they're young, you need to guide them and you need to instruct them. But then when they get older, you need to let them know that you trust them hmm. and let, unless you see them making a really unwise decision. And then, you know, I would go to them and talk about it, but sure. sometimes they learn from mistakes. You know, sometimes they yeah. do something stupid and learn from it. And right failure is a stepping stone to success. So sometimes you need to let your kids fail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as it's not something really major, you need right, to let them right. learn on their own. Um, and then as far as, as kids with future vocation or whatever, they sometimes need more of your time. Like mm-hmm. late at night, I'd talk to them because they'd be thinking about what they wanted to do if they wanted to start their own business or if college was for them or if it wasn't. And you need to, you need time to let them talk that out and think about it. And, you know, when we would invite other families in our home, I'd always ask the dad what he did for a living and if he went to college and if he's glad he went to college or if he used what he learned in college in his vocation now, Yeah, just to give your kids some wisdom that, you know, college is not for everybody. It's Mm-hmm. You need it for some things, but a lot of things you can do without it. Right. Um, and just kind of trying to learn from other people that we'd have in our home. So the kids could get wisdom from people that had been there and done things different ways. Right. Um, and also we would try to let our kids apprentice with somebody. Like if they thought, for instance, someone wants to be a plumber, if you know, mm-hmm have a friend who's a plumber, let them hang out with them for a day or so. And, and oh, see if yeah. that's something they would be interested in or not, you'd, you'd kind of get a little good taste of it after a day. Yeah. You know, I like that. Say, yeah. I wouldn't hate that. Or they might say, yeah, I really like that. That's true. Yes. Oh, I like yeah. that idea. Yeah, we're kind of working with a contractor right now. And so my old, my second oldest son is now doing some work with him. Um, oh, great. And it's, it's a bit of apprenticeship thing, more of necessity kind of thing, but yeah, we'll that apprenticeship concept going and uh, yeah, I think it's determined. I don't know if I would want to do this forever, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You know? So it's yeah, definitely learning great. a lot. That's a, that's really good. And so one thing Israel and I were talking about when we were talking about this interview, we, we said, you no, know, one question we would have is how do you not miss your middle kids? Because for us, the baby squawks, so yeah. she definitely gets a lot of attention yeah. and needs it, obviously. And the two-year-old is even more so, you know, two-year-old uh, boys, full busy. Of yeah. busy, busy. I mean, this little guy just loves to get into everything and enjoy life to the fullest. Yeah. So obviously he gets a lot of attention and yeah. then our older, you know, if we're, we're in that process of um, helping them prepare for their future, they obviously need a lot of attention. 
how do we not miss on, out on the middle? That's that's one of the major things we want to know right now. Well, you are concerned about it. So that's the first step. And okay. I, you know, like I say, I would watch my kids a lot and see if I could discern, you know, it's like the Lord would kind of prompt me or something and say, hey, Kelly needs more attention. She's missing out. She's kind of getting left behind. Sure. So I do something special with her, do a craft mm-hmm. with her or take her out somewhere. It's like the Lord will prompt you, you know, this one needs more of your attention. Yeah. Um, one of my daughters, just this morning, she was talking to me on the phone. She has a month old baby and she was saying mm-hmm. her next one up is really feeling the loss of mom's attention all the time. So she's mm-hmm. asked me if I would watch the baby and her older one tomorrow so she can take this other one out. Uh-huh for a special, a date with mom. Yes. So I guess it's just being sensitive to them and realizing I need to clear my schedule so I can make some time for them. Mm-hmm. And it might be something really simple, but you know, sometimes it's more complicated, but right. I guess it's just being very intentional and realizing mm-hmm. that those middle ones or the quiet ones in our home, it was the quiet ones that sometimes get left out <gasps> because they're, you know, they're quiet and content and they're not making a big fuss where the ones right. that are louder, they're the ones you got to give attention to. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's something I think I hear a little bit from you repeatedly is like giving that attention and being intentional to notice, okay, when do I do that? Cause and for myself, I'm, I can get so busy with my checklist because yeah. I can see it. I can really, yeah. I can yeah. see the progress made of the food is made, the bed is made, you know, the vacuum, yeah. floors vacuumed, but I don't always see the unseen things. And that's, um, I think what you said, just being spirit led in that and just having the intentionality to see it, think to see it even. Absolutely. Cause I, I like checking stuff off my list too. I'm a, I'm a list writer and I love checking it off, checking it off, checking it off, but you need to realize you don't want to check your whole life off and miss the important things. You right. Know? Right. And those kids, you know, from the point where I'm at now, you know, my kids are out of my home. When, when I had all little ones, life was overwhelming. It seemed like I'd never have one old enough to babysit. It seemed like my life would be chaotic for a long time. But looking back, the days might've been long, but the time went quickly. Hmm. Hmm. And I guess just, I love that verse, teach us to number our days that we may present to thee a heart of wisdom. You know, we've only got a limited time with our kids and we don't even know how long that will be. You know, our fourth son um, went to heaven when he was 17. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I look back, I see some ways that the Lord had made me sensitive to spend more time with him than I had with some of the other ones when they were his age. And that was from the Lord. So I guess just being sensitive to those needs and keeping your eyes open and being intentional and, and seeking the Lord and saying, what can I do better? Who needs more of my attention? Right. And evaluating, you know, how am I doing? (laughs) Right. Right. I love that though, because that's so important. And I know for myself, when I focus on Lord, help me to see, he opens up my eyes to start seeing some things. Yeah. And also, I think it does something inside of me where um, I'm eager to see that progress, eager to invest instead of thinking, oh, I sure would like a day off for myself, or I sure would yeah. like some more sleep or something. I start seeing maybe a bigger vision than just yeah. myself and Absolutely. my needs. And um, I guess that's, I know that's something... I think I've been so busy in my life. <laughs> I, I haven't given enough time and thought to this whole process, but I hear from younger moms, particularly those who are in that overwhelming stage and they don't have an older babysitter 
child that they can even get a, a, a little bit of time to go run to the grocery store or something. Yeah. They're overwhelmed and they're feeling depleted, you know, naturally they're, they're sleep deprived and um, they're just running low on, on anything to give. And, you know, what we've talked about is being able to prayerfully look to how can I invest in my children? I think that, I think that's a really big key. Like if we, we could put, uh, you know, number one, just be prayerful to have your vision in place. Yeah. Um, but what would you say to the mom who's feeling very depleted in that scenario and not seeing, you not seeing a future of it, of those children even growing up <laughs> and thinking you're going to have diapers forever and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, how, how could you speak to that mom who might be in that kind of situation now? I guess just, well, let me, before I forget, um, something you said made me think of this. Another thing that I would do to spend time with those middle ones is I would take one shopping with me. Okay. Like if I had older kids, I'd have them babysit. If I didn't, I would have Rick watch the kids while I went shopping and take that one who needed attention okay. out. So on a rotating basis, I mean, there was lots of shopping, lots of errands with a large family. I would take just one and I would talk with them and, you know, maybe if they needed some clothes or something, take them out and let them choose new shoes or whatever. But, but on a rotating basis, just take them with me. So they had that special time. And yet I was still getting something accomplished that I desperately needed to get done. I guess about the overwhelmed mom, you need to embrace the season that you're in. And sometimes it's hard to do that because you're so overwhelmed, but it's going to change. Even a year makes a huge difference in your kids. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, looking back and seeing where they were a year ago, you've got that active toddler who's into everything and throwing the caps off markers and, you know, just running, uh, running everywhere. A year is going to make a huge difference. Right. So I guess just, you know, crying out to God and he wants us to do that. He doesn't want us to feel like we've got everything under control. You know, I, I know how to manage this. I'm good. He wants us to know that we need him and he wants mm -hmm. us to cry out to him and, and look for his answers. And it seems like, like if I noticed that a child needed more attention, the Lord would kind of guide me to that and maybe yeah. even give me a creative idea right. of what I could do that would mean something to that child. Right. So I guess just depend more heavily on the Lord when you're at yes. the end of yourself. Right. Oh, that's, that's a, such a helpful answer. Cause I know, you know, it's, it's easy when I start going down the road of, Oh, I'm not getting enough for myself of, you know, just hearing about, Oh, I'd like to go do this or that. And, um, when I start focusing on myself, I realize I will never be satisfied apparently, yeah. Uh, yeah. but you know, it, it really is such a short season to invest in our little ones. And, and it really is, ones, but, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, the world's telling us you need a break. You deserve right. this. It's all right. me, 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 me focused. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, we're to lay down our lives for yeah. our husbands and our kids and ultimately the Lord. Yes. And we need to keep that in the foremost part of our mind because it's so easy to just focus on me, 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 me. It is. Yeah. It comes very naturally. So it does. <laughs> the other way is like, oh, I, you know, I'm created for something more than satisfying. You know, I hate to put it so bluntly, but just our stomach, our, our, right. our desires and our needs are in there somewhat too. So that's, that's the tricky part. We, we do have to eat, you know, we, we do need to sleep. We do need some rejuvenation. Yeah. Um, but most of all, looking to the Lord. And I know for myself, 
I do feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew in the sense of um, I, I have more to do to keep me busy than there are hours in a day. Yes. Yet, it also helps to cipher some of what's not even important and looking to the Lord for his strength to make, to make sure that I'm a conduit of his, uh, his intentions and his purposes in our home. So that's helped me out a lot too. Just, just like you said, being intentional, looking yeah. to the Lord. That's so, that's where the strength is. And that's, that's where key. the power is. Yeah. And they're remembering that they're God's children. You know, he yeah. gave them to us, but they're, we're stewards of his children. Right. And he cares about them more than we do. So he wants us to cry out for wisdom. You know, yeah. I'm at wit's end. What do I do with this child? What do I do with this attitude? And that's, you know, when we would go to the Bible and, and try to dig out the answers to deal with the different struggles. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important going back to the word. And yeah. I can't believe our time's gone so fast, but I would like to have our listeners be able to hear how they can get in touch with you. Do you still do, um, I don't remember if it was a, a short Wednesday, you had like a Wednesday, something on your Facebook account. Do you still do that? Yes. Yeah, we do. I do podcasts moments okay. with Marilyn and it comes out every Wednesday and I try to encourage young moms. I try to share things that, that worked and things that didn't work, things right. that I would do differently, things that I would do more of. Um, just try to encourage young moms. I love young moms. So that's what my podcast moments with Marilyn is all about. And then our website is characterconcepts.com. We've got character curriculum from preschool through high school. And it's things that that are tested, you know, ways to help your kids practically take the word and apply it to their everyday life so that they can make wise decisions. And then I should also mention, we've got Uncle Rick audios, which are so cool. Um, mostly they're books from the 1800s that were written to teach kids character and history. And my husband, Rick reads and records those for kids. So kids are learning character and history at the same time. So we've got a lot of resources to teach character and character is just the character qualities of Jesus Christ. So when we're teaching our kids character, we're teaching them to be more like Jesus and we're learning it with them too. Yeah. So you, you're not perfect, obviously, and you've got a lot to learn and you can learn with your kids. Yeah. Like I say, I was not brought up in a Christian home. So I feel like I learned everything with my kids, you know, the mm-hmm. Bible stories and all that. And it's just kind of powerful learning when your kids are watching you learn too. That is, that is so true. Yeah. My mom was a first generation Christian and the excitement she was able to give to my brother and I about Christianity was amazing. So I, I just love that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Marilyn, for joining me today. This has been very, very helpful to me personally. And I just hope that it blesses our listeners too. So Thanks take so much. Care. For it. It's been great to be with you. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation. For more information on Family Renewal, the writing and speaking ministry of Brooke and Israel Wayne, please visit familyrenewal.org.